When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, Welcome to episode 30 of Tendy Talk, presented by the BLPA Podcast Network. This week I chat with Dave Sosha of 32 Hockey. Dave has been playing hockey most of his life, but didn't start playing goalie until he was an adult when his wife, who had never played hockey before, wanted to start playing. The only way for the two of them to be on a team together is if Dave put on the pads. Well, Dave caught the goalie bug and has been playing for a number of years now, and he's picked up the skill of refurbishing and painting goalie masks. Without further ado, let's get to the conversation. Dave, thanks for joining me. It's uh, fun to have you on the podcast and fun to talk to other goalies and meet new ones. I'm glad to be here. Um, Doing a lot right now, so very good to be here. It's the first time ever on a podcast, so... (laughs) Well, the, the good news is uh, you shouldn't be worried. It's just uh, two goalies talk, talking hockey. Sounds good to me, man. Yeah, as, as I've uh, t- talked to some other folks, is uh, it, it always feels like just talking to another another goalie in the locker room after a skate. Yeah. So I had a bad one the other day. <laughs> uh-oh. That, that, that's no fun. But th- then again, a good day on the ice is better than a bad day at the office. Oh yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Are they making you guys wear masks on the ice like they are here in Minnesota? No, we don't have to. Oh, we only have to wear it going into the rink. Yeah. I, I would be okay with that. Uh, Cause I, I've got the CCM game on one that goes over the nose and breathing isn't that bad with it. I'm not going to lie. Um, Cause it's, it's off the mouth. It's just getting water. You, you got to lift the mask to get water. You can't just squirt it through the kit the uh, cage and then it it obstructs the view when you look down so yeah there's a minor adjustment (laughs) i could imagine because i wear glasses so it'd be even horrible for me 
Yeah. If I had to play with the mask on. Yeah. So it, I, I think it, it's almost like skating with that X tracker that goes on the cage that some yeah. boys wear in practice to focus on tracking. So I just keep telling myself when, when I can, I take know exactly that, what you're talking about. Yep. I just keep telling myself when I get to take that thing off, my tracking is going to be phenomenal. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, the rinks are, they're opening up a little here. We get to go into some locker rooms in some places, some places you still got to sit outside. The last rink I was out, you still had to sit outside. So, yeah, you know, they, they keep telling us we're supposed to sit out in the common area and get ready. Goal, goalies are allowed to bring a bag in and, you know, they're giving us a little more grace, but we only can come in 15 minutes before the skate. A few rinks are given goalies a little extra time. Uh, oddly enough, the one rink I've been to that let us use the locker room was also the one that I walked in 16 or 17 minutes before the skate and they turned me away. They're like, nope, 15 minutes before. I was like, <laughs> like yeah. looking at my watch like if i if we argue long enough it'll be 15 minutes <laughs> yeah the first time I, I went to a rink a couple weeks ago i haven't been to in a while they're like you can only come in a half hour i was like 35 minutes till game time and i yeah. was like i had to walk all the way back pouring rain in my car so they wouldn't let us stay inside <laughs> after the first shutdown i i play my league games at the super rink uh and they they were making it like a half hour before or whatnot. And I, I showed up, it's just me as a goalie. And uh, there was a high school kid working the, the gate and, you know, he can't come in yet. You got to wait. And it's like, I'm an old beer league goalie. Like, come on. And, you know, the only reason I put up a little bit of a fight is because the high school kid working the gate wasn't wearing their mask while telling me I couldn't go into a locker room by myself for safety reasons. <laughs> for, you know, as I'm wearing my mask, I just sent a message to the uh, uh, guy that runs the league, like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm fine with the half hour thing. I get it. But can you at least have the people enforcing it wear their mask? And he goes, oh, Lord. Yeah. <laughs> he goes, I've I, he, he even said, I've tried telling the, these kids that beer league goalies are fine because they're going to sit in the locker room by themselves until 15 minutes before the game without a pandemic going on. Yeah. <laughs> you know? He's like, they, they don't understand that those rules are really for um, – uh, you know, the youth hockey players where they all show up an hour before and mess around and locker box and all that other <laughs> stuff we used to do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Always fun. So, you know, we talk about things we always used to do. How did you uh, get started in hockey and, you know, discover the sport? Um, I started playing actually here in Jersey when I was four years old as a skater. Okay. So I played my whole, my whole life as just a skater, played roller hockey, um, tried out for professional roller hockey a couple of times when it was still around, yeah. never made the team. Cause they, you know, they always have a team made before. Oh yeah. So, um, I played roller hockey for about five, six years and then I, I gave it a rest and I came back when I met my wife around 15 years ago and she wanted to play hockey. So the only way I could play with her is if I started playing goalie. And she had never played hockey at this point. No, she had never played hockey. It was a beginner league down in Brandon, Florida, when we lived in Brandon, when we lived in Florida. So why why did she all of a sudden want to start skating? Because, you know, I was I started I started skating out and she's like, you know, I, I really always wanted to play hockey. Mm -hmm. So 
it it was the greatest thing. I said, yeah, you know, and they had an actual like beginner league where everybody was terrible. Yep. And we just, it just went from there. She played a couple seasons and then she wasn't able to play anymore, but the whole goalie thing just kept going. I just kept getting put on teams and higher levels and, you know, it was just all for fun. You know, I just exploded. Yeah. So you, you pick up playing goalie just so that you could play on a team with your wife. Um, were you worried when you were putting on the pads the first time or were, were you excited about it? Did you always kind of secretly oh, want to do it or what? I think I did. Cause you know, you always played street hockey goalie as a kid, you know, everybody took a turn. Oh, street yeah. hockey goalie. But you know, never on ice, but yeah, I was nervous. I had some old Heatons, you know, I pieced together what I could afford at the time. And, you know, my pads were too small. My gloves were too, but you know, it fit to me. So I just went out there and played. It yeah. really didn't matter because we were, everybody was terrible at that time. Yep. It, well, and is uh, the USA hockey um, goalie program they have going on right now. They say, catch a puck, catch the bug. And it sounds like that's exactly what happened for you. Yeah, kind of did. And it's just <laughs> exploded all over itself. Yeah. So, so I went from that to upper levels, you know, so that was always what was the hardest part do you think transitioning from skater to goalie as an adult? Because I, you know, I, I think a lot of goalies, we start out as skaters, but we make that transition a lot earlier in life. Uh, what, what do you think it was as an adult that uh, made it difficult? Well, cause you never had anybody teach you how to play, you know? So it mm. wasn't like I was going out there and having a hockey coach, you know, teach me how to play goal and you just had to kind of put it together yourself. I eventually, you know, learned everything myself, ended up a couple of years ago, taking a three-day goalie class and it helped a lot, just things that you don't really know about. Yep. But it, it was just kind of a fluke thing that happened. A friend couldn't go to a hockey camp and he couldn't get a refund. He was like, I need somebody to take this ticket. And he said, and he called me. He's like, why don't you go for goal? Cause he knew I wanted to play yeah. a better style goalie. So but just, just a new style from going from stand up when you're, you know, the way we play when a kid and these new style pads. Yep. But now I, I feel like I got it pretty much down. I just, I can't play in upper levels anymore. They just destroy me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm starting to get to the point where I, I ask myself, can my body keep playing at the higher levels when called upon, or do I have to start saying no? Uh, <laughs> You yeah, know, it's, it's not that I, I can't keep up, but it's more so the, the morning after where the, the back is a little sore or, you know, it's it kind of feel like the Tin Man getting out of bed. Oh, yeah. I'm going on 50 years old, so, you know, just happy that I'm still playing. Yeah, so I don't skate out very much. So, you know, I, I was having this discussion with a uh, old college teammate of mine uh, a couple of weeks ago when we we actually got skate for the first time since we graduated almost 20 years ago. And uh, we were talking about, uh, you know, young goalies and how they have something we never had. And that was so much information at their fingertips for learning the position, uh, YouTube videos, uh, all this stuff on the internet that we didn't even have the internet as kids when we were learning. No, um, no internet. How instrumental were these tools to you as you were, picking up the the position and trying to learn about it. Cause I, I'm going to guess like most goalies, once, once you caught that bug, it's, 
I want to learn more. I, I want to get better. You see somebody doing something in the game and how do they do that? And you, you go to Google and try and figure it out. I was more, I, I only, I didn't go on the internet too much. I just watch a lot of games. Mm-hmm. I watch how the goalies are positioning themselves. Like uh, the positioning stuff on a, on a page, you know, just showing you where position you're supposed to be in aware is more of what I did than watching it on Google. Yep. You know, I've learned how the butterfly and just seeing, you know, pictures of myself and seeing what I did wrong. That's, that was mainly the way I learned it. I, I don't really like going on internet, uh, the internet so much, you know, for stuff like that, where I just, you got to kind of watch and learn by just trying it out. Absolutely. And, you know, there is something to that, that I think younger goalies are missing of just watching games and going out there and trying it that there's a lot of them that are almost overstructured these days. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think back to the nineties and you could identify a goaltender by their stance today that most of them look the same. Uh, yeah. You know, there, there's a few, you could say, you know, that's Mark andre Fleury by his stance, Corey Crawford. You could tell that was him by his wide stance. Um, but for the most part, they, they all kind of look the same here in Minnesota, the high school hockey tournaments going on right now. And I was watching some games yesterday and the kids, they all looked the same in the net. Um, now their, their skill level may have been a little bit different, but their, their stance all looked the same. And, um, I, I almost think from a shooter standpoint, that makes it easier. It's almost like going on the same goalie every time. Uh, yes. in that regard, it's just how fast is his, his glove. But when, you know, you think back to a guy like Kelly Rudy or Mike Vernon, who they stood there with their legs together. Um, as a shooter, you, you got to think of that. But then you'd go in on a guy like Belfour, where growing up in Chicago, there was the joke that, you know, Eddie Belfour uh, had a hairy situation today. He walked out of the Chicago stadium in front of a CTA bus. But don't worry, it went right through his legs because he had that great big five hole. Um, I, I almost think as a shooter, when everything's the same, it, it probably would make it easier. Still, when I skate out, a lot of these goalies, like you just know, let's not shoot down on the, on the ice. You just yep. know you got to shoot up. And yeah. That's the one thing that's like, taken away from the game is, you know, everybody, they're starting to pickpocket them now in the NHL. You see them just start to do them crazy shots up in the corners and they're all going in now. Yep. So it's time that I think the goalies ways are going to change again here soon. Yeah. You know, I, I know Kevin Weeks has been a uh, big per or uh, not proponent advocate, but spoken against that RVH an awful lot saying there's a place for it, but people are using it way too much and in the wrong situations. Yes. Uh, and yeah, that, that's where you're seeing those high shots go in. Um, it is kind of fun in the beer leagues. You can always tell that older skater who used to be a goalie because they, they might not be very good, but they, they tend to know when and where to shoot. Uh, <laughs> yeah, got one of those got one of those guys on my team. I've got one on my one team. We have one of the coaches. And when I played against him, he would just pick me apart, you know, and you go, well, I, I know every time I'm going to shoot this one place and it's going to go in. It doesn't matter who you are. Yep. It's or go in. Goalies, when they skate out, are notorious for shooting through traffic because we know if we can't see the goalie, the goalie can't see the shooter. So that's a great time. 
you know, it might not make its way to the net, but it's a great, great opportunity to put, put pucks on the net. That's what we were taught as kids. Yeah. Um, That's what I used to do. Just sit in front of the net and wait for them rebounds to come out. Exactly. Um, Unless you don't enjoy getting beat up for being in front of the net. (laughs) Yeah. I kind of had fun doing that though. I was, uh, uh, I was a big fan of Eric Lindros coming, coming up, you know, and that, that big style, even though I wasn't big, I tried to play that big style. Yeah. You know, in front of the net crashing, going hard to the net all the time. So that was what made hockey fun for me. I still play that style, but I can't, I'm not one of those guys who would be puck handling all over the place. I was just North South, get to the net, get a shot on net. Yeah. The few times I've skated out, um, that's kind of, that's me. I'm just going right to the net. And if I don't have the puck, I'm trying to get in front of it to create traffic and be a pest. Um, Yeah. Uh, God, I had a thought and it, it uh, left my mind. I, I blame it on goalie brain there. <laughs> so, you know, aside from playing, you know, that I, I think really how you and I connected is uh, because of your love of goaltending, you started refurbishing goalie masks. Um, you know, yes. on, on your website, it's because you wanted a nice mask without having to pay the price for a brand new one. Um What's that journey been like of learning how to refurbish a mask? It's been a long four years. I've had a lot of people help me out. A lot of big painters um, like Ron Slater. Mm -hmm. I called him up uh, about a month or two ago and I said, hey, I want to try to uh, do your Tuka Rask mask. Do you mind? And he says, no, give it a shot. You know, and I, I picked his brain along the way. It mm-hmm. didn't come out exactly like his, but no, nothing ever will. And yeah. stuff like that is what made it fun for me. I couldn't, I couldn't, I have five kids. So if I sit there and say, I'm going to go and pay somebody $900 to paint my mask is like, you know, just throwing away money. Yep. Well, I'm, I'm the same way too as a dad. I've only got two kids. Um, but uh, th- there's just something about when you're a dad, spending any kind of money on yourself you feel you feel guilty um yeah although if your kid said hey i, I need this you know 900 paint job on my mask you'd be like sure <laughs> it see, exactly legit so but you said something there that i really appreciate you know before going and replicating the rask mask you reached out to the creator of it and said can i do this and um, it, it, it's a small gesture that I, I think a lot of goalies don't even think about, um, because at the end of the day, the mass painter is an artist and yes, there, a, there are copyright laws that do cover them if they ever wanted to come after folks. But, um, I, I just think that's the right way to do it is, you know, reach out to the guy. And a lot of these mass painters that I've talked to, you know, if, if they can't do it themselves, cause they're busy, which a lot of them are, they go, yeah, why not? You know, imitation's flattery, but at least ask the permission. And I appreciate that you did that. Yeah, I try to do that as much as possible. A lot of the painters won't respond to you, though, because they're so busy, mm-hmm. you know. But there's really, I try to keep my stuff because when I learned, I didn't, like I was saying, I didn't have the money. So I just went out and bought an airbrush. Yeah. And, you know, I used to get ridiculed on 
on goalie gear sluts united yeah. like over pictures of mass i put on there as you know i say hey you know at least i'm trying yeah you know and i didn't give up you know just because people made fun of me you know i just kept going kept going next thing i know i was doing a lundquist mask and i was doing this mask and a jonathan quick mask and jonathan quick mask probably took me 15 tries to get it even close mm-hmm. and you know it it's a simple mask but it's so hard to lay out and yeah. you know you don't see how much time and effort these guys put in everybody's like oh well that paint job is this much that paint job is that much well it's, it takes a lot of time mm-hmm. like the tuca rasp one took me over 30 hours just to paint yep i i um I had the opportunity to talk to Todd Miska a number of years back in his shop. And um, I, I think a lot of goalies take for granted what goes into having a mask painted. It's not just a simple, you know, sit there and freehand airbrush. There's a lot of fine detail work that goes into those things. Yes. A lot of tape, a lot of prep work. I, I do my mask a little different than everybody else. Uh, a lot of people use like filler, filler mm-hmm. primer where they have to sand. I don't do that. I use a, it's just a flat primer. Basically it's not something you sand and it doesn't fill the holes. So I have to sand these masks until mm-hmm. they're ready for paint. Okay. You know, if I need a filler, I can use some kind of, some kind of epoxy. I've got a little nick here or there and the gel coat and just, it just takes hours. And, you know, a lot of people are like, well, I think that's too much for that mask. I said, well, you got to think from my point of view, you know, I'm here for hours doing this. Yeah. And I charge less than most people, but I keep everything simple. Like I do designs that aren't going to take me hours and hours and hours. Right. If they want to pay for design, it's going to take me hours and hours. Then they're going to have to pay for it. Yeah. You know, so. Um, I've said it before on the podcast, I'm, a fan of the simple designs anyway. Um, you know, I, I'm in the camp that I should be able to know what's on that mask sitting in the stands. I shouldn't have to be right up on top of it. Now that there are exceptions, I, I do appreciate the ones that have that image from afar. Right? Marty Brodeur's later masks in New Jersey are a perfect example. Still had that yeah. iconic Marty Brodeur look, but when you got close, there were pieces on there that were special to him. Uh, yeah. I, I think that's cool, but. Uh, some of these masks where there's just so much going on, it's like, I got to be on top of it to know what, what the mask is uh, exactly. sometimes. But I, I think you're starting to see that pendulum swing back to the simplicity. Uh, yes. It, which is fun to see. Um, I, I know Dave Ark gets a bad rap sometimes for going over the top. I think he's wildly talented and creative, uh, but I, I've seen his stuff start to come back, uh, it, it, which is good to see because that that's how he started out and he had some great masks. I mean, the Johan Hedberg one that put him on the map is one of my all time yeah. favorites. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. You know, uh, Mark Andre Fleury, the gold mask that he wears for, for the Vegas, for the Knights. Yeah. That was probably, I, I love that mask and mm-hmm. I tried it twice and I have a partner, Tress Armstrong. He, uh, he does all the gold foil. Mm-hmm. So I'll paint the masks and I'll send it to California for Tress to do the foil. Yeah. And then he'll send it back to me and I'll finish it up. And it was probably one of the most beautiful masks that we ever put together. And, you know, I sold it, but it was like, I didn't want to, but I can't keep <laughs> everything that I, that I have here. 
yeah. you know, because certainly now that I work with a mask maker, I work with Sean Schroeder mm-hmm. from California. And then I also work from, for somebody from uh, Russia. His name is VRT Goalie Masks. Mm-hmm. He's starting to make masks for the KHL. Yeah, He has the women's leagues over there. He has a couple masks over there and they're improving their masks. Their masks are just getting better and better. And I have the first gen and he'll paint whatever I want on. Mm-hmm. And if you want a custom mask that I can't do, I'll just say, here, do this mask for me. And he'll put the mask together, whatever level mask you need, paint it and send it over here. It takes like two months to get here, but it's well worth the wait. Right. Absolutely. And somebody who's had concussions and bought a new mask a couple of years ago, you know, the, the quality of the masks are important. And I, I think a lot of them now have come a long way. Um, you know, just in little things, a lot of them will look the same. A lot of them will have kind of that Bauer look, but there's a reason for that. Um, the, you know, the originator of it put, put a lot of time and effort into studying, um, you know, the physics of the puck impact. So it, it's been interesting having talked to Don Strauss, who clearly created a different mask that was fantastic in its own right. But it, it's interesting that to me that masks have always kind of had one similar look with the exception of the armadillo. Uh, you yeah. know, the Chubberly behind you, uh, not Miska, um, Warwick masks to Bauer and CCM and Warrior, all of them, they have a similar look uh, that, again, the armadillo is the only one that didn't have that look, but there, there's a reason for that, I think. Yeah, he, he had a plan when he did that. And, you know, that's such a sought after mask. Yep. You, you can barely get your hands on them now. Yeah, well, it was his background in auto racing. And knowing that now, I, I can see that influence of, an, you know, racing helmet adapted for goaltending in it. You know, yeah, less obstruction to it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so when you're refurbishing a mask, what is the thing you see most often that uh, needs attention to that goalies just don't spend any time, you know, where if they, after every couple of skates, just did this or that could make a big difference? You know, a lot of, a lot of these guys, they don't put their helmets in bags, mm-hmm. you know, and it, they pay a thousand dollars for a brand new mask to play in high level and they just throw them around Yeah, and you get so much chipping, like the chin, they're not made to be <clears throat> thrown across a room or hit with a puck, you right. know, like they, they're, they're there. I mean, they're meant to be hit with a puck, but you know, if the impact hits it hard, they just, they just get a chip and they just keep going. Yep. And instead of thinking, Hey, uh, maybe I should have this checked out. No, a lot of these guys just keep going until the mask is completely, junk and mm-hmm. you know where i've had to actually cut the chin off of a, a mask a couple times yeah just to make it into that mage style mask yeah well but, i, but I think of richter when he had that giant chunk of the lady liberty out of his mask that one season and i the whole time i'm sitting there going can't they get him a new one <laughs> yeah it, it's something about a mask that you just don't want to change them you know yep. when, once you find that comfortable mask and they're making the foams better and better so they yeah. fit better and feel better. Like uh, the VRT foam I've, I found is kind of a cross between that old yellow foam and the new black foam. So it, it's very soft, very comfortable to wear. And 
they sent me one for me to wear and they've upgraded that since I've met them. They asked me for different opinions on masks, uh, what they should do different. Mm-hmm. And it's all coming together where they're making the mat. It's same. It's almost exactly the same as a Bauer mold, but little changes like in the chin, mm-hmm. you know, how do you stop that chin from breaking? Yeah. You know, and how backs aren't going to be chipper, less holes in the, in the mask itself instead of having those big vents in the back for your, for your straps that the straps just clip underneath the foam yeah. to the back plate. And it's just things like that. You know, when you have, when you're absorbing a puck, you know, the less holes you have, the less impact it's going to make, mm-hmm. you know, in cracking your mask. Yep. Any uh, boot area in your mask. Even the new Bauer mask where the, the, I don't even think it's an actual foam that they use, but the padding they have in there, the way it just comes out, you know, with a few screws as opposed to, you know, the, the old style, like the mask over my shoulder, the gluing it in where there, there were times where it's like, all right, the glue came out and I'm sitting there before practice with the glue gun, trying to get this stuff to stick. And, you know, that didn't work. So now it's onto the crazy glue uh, because as a high school kid in the nineties, you don't know what, what proper yeah. adhesives to use. You're just, anything sticky around the house is hope it hope it holds till the next skate <laughs> yeah, um, for sure i know my padding fell out the other day because i didn't use enough glue so you know it's just little things like that yeah well that so, makes me feel better that somebody who actually does refurbishing still has the same issues as the rest of us of the padding coming out when we don't want it to um and the one difference between me is a lot of these painters they're not going to take time to refurbish a helmet. Mm-hmm. You know, they just want a helmet. They want you to buy them a brand new helmet, send it. So all they got to do is sand off the clear and start painting mm-hmm. where, you know, I, I'm not adding the extra money into it. You know, send me whatever helmet. If it's got a crack in it, I'll, I'll fix it. You yeah. know, it, a lot of times it doesn't take a lot to fix these cracks, maybe just a little epoxy, a little sanding. Yeah. And, you know, and these guys are ready to go out and buy new helmets, you know, for these painters. And it's a lot of them don't, do that much anymore yeah so i try to still be that guy okay send me your helmet you know and i'll i'll i don't care what condition it's in i'll sand it all the way down if i have to yeah well and i i've talked to some painters and you know i, I think some of them it's not that they don't want to it's just they have no business have they don't have to um yeah. you know that's uh what one fellow i talked to that that was his feeling about it i i do like following the warwick uh instagram page because they still do some of those refurbishes and I like seeing the gruesome before pictures and then the after where it looks like they just went and bought a brand new helmet, you know? Yeah. And, and yeah. for the most part, they're not painting them other than a clear, you know, a white or a black, but uh, it's, it's fun to see those before and afters. Those guys have had the masks for, you know, 15, 20 years and don't want to give it up. They're, they're going to keep using it. Yeah. I just, I just finished a coverly. Um, that I'm in the process of refurbing. So, I mean, it's sitting up on my shelf. Yeah. I mean, this thing looked like a bomb went off on it, you know? Yeah. And it's signed in, in, inside by Mike Richter. It was signed on the top by Mike Richter, but we decided to go in a different direction. Okay. So I sand, had to sand it all back down and start right from the beginning. Yeah. You know, and then it's going to go for a paint job with a different painter that uh does a lot of the mike richter stuff okay so it also can get signed again very cool 
That, that Richter mask was uh, one of my favorite back in the day, just because he kept the same, you know, like a lot of those guys, same look. It, it, it changed here and there over the years, very subtly. Um, I think as a fan, I didn't notice it until years later as I'd be looking at different, you know, Richter hockey cards or something and see, oh, this is a little different here. Yeah. Opposed to, <laughs> you know, you, you didn't realize that he was getting different ones that, that often. Um, oh, it was just a subtle little changes he did every year. Yeah. So painting a mask takes quite a bit of creative talent. Have you always been the creative type, you know, the kid that was, you know, drawn in his notebooks when he should have been paying attention to the teacher? Uh, was that always something you had in you? And th this was just a new medium that kind of blended uh, that love of art for in hockey? Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, but I did a lot of brush painting. Okay. And a lot of drawing. So, but I never picked up an airbrush until I bought one. It was just when I was growing up, they really weren't a big deal. Like, oh, you airbrush something. Yeah. But you never really heard of it. You know, you never saw it. Yeah. There, there was so, the one guy at the mall with the t-shirt shop that had the airbrush. Yeah, the t-shirt. That That's all you ever saw. <laughs> Nobody yeah. ever put that two and two together. Oh, let's do that on a helmet until years later. Yep. You know, so. And I, I knew I could do this by myself. But just, you know, building everything so where I can have all the right tools, like all the right stencils, all right. Like I have a vinyl cutter to help me cut mm -hmm. my designs. Um, I'm starting now doing things a little different where I'm drawing on the mask itself. I'm just progressing every day and just trying to get better. Yeah. And, you know, that's where people are starting to look for me now and, you know, like once a month, because I have so many helmets that, you know, with the pandemic going on, you had, there was no money. Nope. So I have all these masks sitting here. So I decided to start doing raffles every month for these masks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I would only include like 50 people. No, no, no big, huge, like $25 a shot. Yeah. But the guy just won the RASP mask and that was a pro-choice mask. You know, they're $2,200 brand new that yeah. $25 it cost him. Right. And put it right on his shelf, you know, because he's not playing yet again. <laughs> yeah, there, there's so, a lot of us in that boat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that's, a, I, I like that idea, um, you know, and a, a way for some folks to maybe get, a, you know, replica mask uh, that they always wanted uh, for something they can afford at the same time. Um, yes, so absolutely. When you're not playing hockey, when you're not refurbishing masks, um, you know, one of the things I like to delve into at the podcast is, you know, what do you do away from those two passions? You know, you mentioned five kids. I'm sure that that keeps you pretty busy with their activities. Uh, but but what do you try and do to unwind outside of those two passions? Um, it's I work a full time job. I work for Walmart, you know, so I'm a manager at Walmart and, you know, I work 60 hours a week plus. Yeah trying to do this and handle the kids. Luckily, only one of the kids is young now. She's 12. Everybody else is 20 and up. So oh. <laughs> I don't have to really worry about them. Yeah. But just a 12 year old. So, yeah. Well, she, she's getting into that fun age where, um, uh, as I say with my 14 year old daughter, she's catching emotions. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. It's, you know? it, it's a very fun, interesting time. Uh, 
middle school, we've been telling my daughter that this past year, you know, the fact that she's been distance learning during middle school is a blessing in disguise. She'll never realize that she doesn't have to be around. <laughs> yeah, kids. you know, a lot of terrible kids in middle school. Yeah. My daughter, they go to, they go to school half day for four hours a day. Okay. Over here. And then they come home and they do the rest on the computer because they're not allowed to eat lunch at school. Okay. So that's what they, that's their routine. Yeah, mine. So it's not all computer anymore. Mine, I think it was last week or the week before, just went back to full time in person. Prior to that, it was hybrid, you know, one day in, one day out, so that they had half the number of kids in class. Um, but yeah, I, as a parent, I'm really happy to have them back in school full time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for, it's, it, it's been a lot on the kids. Yeah, well, I think it's a toll on them more than the adults, you know? Oh, absolutely. And it's a toll that uh, I think a lot of people overlooked in them once it started coming to light. It was almost like they felt it was too late and they had to double down against it just to feel like they were right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's great to have them back in school. And selfishly, my wife and I both work from home. So having the four of us doing video calls at the same time, was a real strain on the Wi-Fi, <laughs> the bandwidth. You know, there were times where it's like, I'm sorry, there's four of us on calls right now. I'm going to be choppy. And they're like, we get it. <laughs> yeah, we have, we had one in college. She just moved out and she was doing her work. Then my wife works from home and my youngest daughter doing schoolwork. So it, it was a lot with the internet. I got to use this computer. I got to use that computer. I need a computer in my room. Yeah. You know, so you know, it's, it's bad enough during the summertime, you know, we got to tell my son, like, you can play your video games during the workday, but you can't play any of them online. And he's like, well, why not? It's like, because it sucks up the entire bandwidth. Like, I don't care that you want to play NHL all day with your buddies online, but do it on the weekends. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I need to sure. have this work video call so that you can have the internet to play that game. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. That's same here. You know, you gotta, gotta twist your arm sometime. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think um, them actually doing school from home and seeing how uh, the strain on the bandwidth can really slow things down. They start to understand it now, um, yeah. which is good. We'll, we'll see if they remember that comes summer break, but uh, who knows? It, I, it's I coming think, soon. Yeah, I, I think my kids are going to spend a lot of time up at my in-laws cabin at the lake so that uh, <laughs> then, then we don't have to worry about it. And they'll be outside, you know, in the lake rather than online. So that that's even better. And my 12 year old, you know, she's getting all the benefits now because we're going to Sweden in August. Oh. Um, and so she gets to go with us, you know, the yeah. older one goes like, oh, well, we want to go. We're not paying for you, too. You're 20 years old. You can pay for yourself. If you want to go. Yep. You know, so she she's starting to reap all the benefits of being the youngest in the house. Yeah. My dad used to joke and as we were getting close to turning 18, he'd be like, you hear that sound? And we're like, what sound? He goes, the sound of the well drying up. Once you turn 18. <laughs> yeah. um, now me and my sister, you know, we both went on to college and they helped us out during that time for sure. But he, he would always joke, that's the sound of the well drying up. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, we, we weren't shocked when, you know, mom and dad would go on a vacation and we weren't invited. It was like, well, yeah. no, you're off at school. 
oh, I, I still would have liked to have gone. Well, you'll, you'll have plenty of chances once you get a job when you're done with school. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You'll have the full life ahead of you. We're getting towards the, you know, the midpoint of ours. Now it's time for us to have fun for all hard work. Yeah. You know, and th- there were yeah. even times where my mom and dad took vacations without us growing up because, you know, they, they were trying to find different parts of the country that they might want to retire in. And they're like, well, we want to see what it's like without you. So we're going to go without you. And right. <laughs> Okay, point taken. <laughs> yeah. So. I always tell my wife, so let's move to Idaho or Montana. And she's like, no, absolutely not. I'm not leaving here. That's why we bought the house here. <laughs> so she wants to stay right here in Jersey. Uh, see, that's something you don't hear of too often. People wanting to stay up in the northern climates. Uh, you know, I, I know my folks headed south there in North Carolina and it even gets too cold down there at times for their liking, but they like it, the people. It, it's kind of funny here. Like we got two snowstorms this year and that's it. You know, it's over and done with. We got spring like weather right now, 65 every day, you know, and the snow came and went. It was like one month of cold. Yeah. We Jersey. had a wind chill of 10 this morning when I was walking the dogs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nothing, nothing even crazy like that. I don't even think it got down in the 20s this year. Yeah. If it did, maybe one or two days. No ice, no pond ice by me. That's crazy. Uh, whereas we had the backyard rink all winter. Um, yeah. Which I think it was uh, Monday. I went and pulled the last of the uh, tarp off of where we had the rink because there was still chunks of ice on there. Uh, so th- this week was kind of ice out, as we like to say in Minnesota. Yeah. <laughs> um, so if I know you've listened to the podcast a little bit, so, you know, I, I end every podcast with a list of 10 questions. I'm starting to do better of leaving myself time for them because I've learned uh, they don't take, you know, two, three minutes. They, they take up a, a, you know, a good portion of time. So uh, what's the craziest coaching moment you've experienced in your playing days? In my playing days, definitely was in high school. Like I had the worst coaches in high school. <laughs> and you know when you have bad coaching and bad teams you know it just leads up to just pure terrible every game yeah but uh i had my coach fire slap shot and hit me in the back of the head Oof. I, I i can never forget that and i wasn't even a goalie i was standing at the blue line i was just forward and you know, and you know just stupid things like that you think of like i can't believe i survived that you know yeah and that's always one thing that always stuck in my mind. This terrible coach just doing terrible things. Yeah. You know, I, I remember in high school, um, we, my freshman, sophomore year in league play, we went to combined uh, one thirty-eight and one. So we weren't very good. The, the, the bummer was we had a lot of talent. We just weren't very good as a team. And our coach picked up on that pretty quickly. Um, yeah. Fortunately for us, he was also studying for his doctorate in psychology so he found a way for us to still have fun, despite being as bad as we were. <laughs> yeah. he, he put those uh, psychology tools to work. That's for sure with us. Um, yeah, we were always terrible, except for my junior and senior year. We were okay. But when we played teams like uh, Bricktown and, you know, when I was in ninth grade, I played against Jimmy Dowd. So I think he scored like 10 goals on us. So, you know, that, that's how bad we were. And that, that guy was insane back in the day. 
Yeah. Um, I, I, I still want to go back and find some of the old uh, score sheets. I played against Timmy Stapleton in uh, high school. And I, I know he was bound to have scored a few on me, but I, I don't recall letting in too many against his school. So I'd be interested to go back and look and see how many I, of his I let in. Yeah, uh, we, had, we had one guy in high school that probably scored four or five goals a game against us every time we played him in Bayonne and never really made anything of himself. Yeah. Was high school players just crazy good and just never went nowhere. You know, we, we see that a lot in so many sports. And then you got the kid who is that fourth line player who makes it to the NHL just because, you know, pure heart. Yeah. Heart, you know, they, they see the game differently and it, or some of them, they, they just mature later. Um, yeah. It, it happens goofy that way. So th- this is an interesting question uh, for you. What's your favorite all time goalie mask? My favorite, it's got to be Ron, Ron Hextall. I still, I still love that Ron Hextall mask. It was just so simple. Which one? The, the half and half with the, with the wings on the side. Okay. Yep. It was just so simple and just such a beautiful, yeah. beautiful mask. Well, I grew up a huge Flyers fan. So it's one of those masks when you think of the Flyers. That's one of the first ones that pops into your mind. You know, Haley Lindbergh's. You have that one. For me, his, his one when he came back to the Flyers with the Liberty Bell and it was kind of that black background. That one always sticks out to me as well as a, one of his great masks. Um, I, I get asked a lot to paint that mask and it's just something I just haven't painted. You know, I painted some things like it, you know, like yeah. I'll add my own spin to it, but I just won't do it exactly like like his because I just kind of you know if you want something that looks like it I'll, I can do that but I really don't like doing exact replicas yeah that's why I have guys that could do that for me you know yeah yep so the next question what's your favorite rink that you've played at my favorite rink is South Mountain Arena West Orange it's uh you see the rink a lot in in commercials and you just don't know it but if you lived in west orange you know the rink and how it developed over the years mm-hmm. and it's uh, like patrick kane's been at that rink jonathan taves doing nhl commercials there's all kinds of nhl commercials mm-hmm. figure skating commercials all filmed in that rink it's just it was just always a fun rink to play in it and they added a second rink when i was probably in high school and it's been changed names three times but it's still you go there and you still remember the zoo sitting right behind it. You know, we had the turtle back zoo right behind it. Yeah. And we always, we always go for a lunch when we were at hockey school in the summers and just walk back and go to the zoo for free because we were in the hockey school. So that's that awesome. was the one big thing. That's awesome. So uh, the next question, what's your favorite stick that you've used? Favorite stick that I've used all time, a Torspo. I don't know if you remember that. Yes. Yeah. Those, uh, I think it was uh, Javi Bullen was using them in Chicago towards the end of his career for a while too. Yeah, that was that was my favorite player stick. My favorite goalie stick is Sherwood. Okay. I just broke my last Sherwood, and you just really can't find many of them anymore. Yeah. The, you, I, last time I was at Pure Hockey, they had a few of them. It's almost like they're starting to bring them back again. I went to, uh, we have monkey sports over here. Okay. They're kind of wiped out on, on goalie equipment. It's like nobody's making anything. You know, there wasn't a big, huge pad selection. I 
looking for a new chest and arms because I keep getting stingers and they only had mediums, you know, and they only had like three or four different kinds. It wasn't full, you know, like I could wear a large or extra large to look a little bigger, you know, but they were just kind of empty and the sticks, I ended up buying a warrior. Yep. You know, I'm not going to pay $300 for a goalie stick. I, I'm with you. I'm, I'm using a warrior swagger pro right now. And, um, I, I really liked the stick. I, I was surprised. It was just the only foam core they had at the time when I went to go get it. And uh, as Bob Ross would say, happy accident. Uh, it, it turned, it's turned out to be a pretty good stick. Yeah. Like I actually went down, I was using a, a 26 size paddle, mm-hmm. but I'm only five foot eight. And okay. I went down to a 23 and a half oh, size boy. paddle and huge, but it made all the difference during the game. Like when you're down in that VH, instead of, you know, your stick, you're going to have your paddle flat on the mm-hmm. rink. You know, they weren't jamming nothing between the stick and my pad. You know, they weren't getting through the stick, let alone my stick and my pad. Yep. You know, it, it made a huge difference. Maybe it felt better in my stance. Yeah. I've, I've always used bigger uh, paddles. I think I got a 27 inch paddle right now, but uh I, I had the realization, I think it was the last podcast, where it's because my very first stick that I owned that was an association was a Titan. And it was a senior oh, yeah. stick. And here I am, a squirt using a senior stick. So my elbow's up there like this. And I just got used to having that arm up high uh, on my blocker side that uh, now I, I think that's why I still use really tall sticks. Yeah, and I, I saw myself for the first time and a picture down in a butterfly. And like you said, my arm was straight and there's this huge hole. So, and that's because my stick and it wasn't even flat on the ice. So that all closed up once I got that three inches, you know, two and a half inches makes a huge difference. Yeah. Well, it's interesting you say that, you know, the stick flat and the arm like this, because of when I was learning how to play goalie and the Quebec butterfly was the big thing. I was still taught, keep my hands out in front of me, but when you're down, angle that blade so that as it hits the blade, it's going to come up and hit you in the belly. So even when I go down, you know, my arm doesn't come up like this. It just, you know, a little wrist, you know, it, it stays where it's at, but my, the blade of my stick, instead of being here, comes out here. And now that puck's coming up and hit me in the chest if it hits the stick. Or it's going, yeah, this, going over my shoulder into the net. There is that option too. <laughs> yeah, this lowered everything for me. I couldn't believe it was it was such a big change, even though I was using new pads that night too. Yeah. Plus, you know, the new stick, but it all kind of complemented itself. Yeah, I, I've tried smaller sticks and um, I don't know, it, it, it just didn't work for me. Um, so, but that that's awesome that it, wor- it worked for you and it was just one of those, you know, that that's what they had. So you had to go with it and boom, here you are. Yeah. Um, for sure. So, so what is your favorite youth hockey memory? Youth hockey memory. Uh, I used to play West orange at the South mountain arena for the Essex County chiefs. And I don't remember what happened. My dad got angry at one of the coaches because he wouldn't let me play up or something. I don't remember what it was. And he pulled me out of that, off that team. And I went down to Newark at the time. It was called Ironbound Hockey. 
And it was like, oh, you never want to go to Ironbound. Oh my God, the rough and tumble Ironbound, you know? Mm-hmm. You're, you're going to go down there and get a beating. And I think the year that I spent down there was probably the best year I had playing hockey because they, they did play a different style. Like they taught us how to check, you know, mm-hmm. we were, we were in there, you know, and that was just my favorite year of all time was playing yeah. down there. And then the rink got destroyed. So the next year they were closed down. Oh, so so I had to go. So I had to go back to the chiefs, but that kind of, that year kind of molded me as a player with yeah. the coaches that I had. It was everybody from Staten Island and New York that came and played there. And I, I know what you mean about the, um, you know, the teams that play a little more physical and other teams don't like to play them. Uh, I played high school hockey in what's known as the Chicago Catholic hockey league. And it's known at least back in the day was known for being a rough league. Uh, even though we were all a bunch of Catholic schoolboys, uh, we weren't very nice on the ice. <laughs> yeah. There there were quite sure. a few uh, fights and everything else. And then uh, when I finished college, I was coaching up here in Minnesota and there was a Christmas tournament where one of the schools from the Chicago Catholic Hockey League came up and they're just out there beating the daylights out of everybody. And, uh, you know, some kid looks at the ref, he's like, aren't you going to call anything on me? He goes, what? They're, they're just hitting, you know, yeah. he's like, they're hitting clean. They're, you know, pushing it out of the way of their goalie. He said, yeah, it, it's rough, but they're playing by the rules. It's just yeah. like, what do, what do you want me to call on them? <laughs> it just got, that was where the game was going. And, you know, yeah, you had to grow up then, you know. So you 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 got to grow up or take a beat, and that was it. Yeah. So the, the next question: What's the uh, best chirp you've heard on the ice in the locker room, directed towards you, said by you? Uh, what's the best chirp? Oh God, I don't even <laughs> know about that one. I've just I can't even tell you that one because I've just <laughs> been all kinds of things, you know, everything. Yeah. It's just depending on where you played, you know, you know, some kids opened their mouth, some kids didn't, you know, so there's really no specific one I could really think of. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's fair. And then there's always the ones that we all remember, but we know we can't repeat. (laughs) We didn't have like a letter. Can you giving us all these ideas back in the day? You know, we had to come up with our own ideas then. Yeah. So Um, Ours were much more uh, hurtful and, Get, get to the point and call you call you names you don't want to repeat in front of your mom <laughs> oh yeah absolutely yeah so what's the worst post-game beer you've had oh god i would have to say amstel light <laughs> that was two seasons ago championship game the guy brought the amstel light and i was just like out of all the beer that you could have brought you brought the amstel light <laughs> You know, that's not a terrible beer, but for a championship game, there, yeah, there's yeah. better options. <laughs> Way better options. Because, you know, we were we were taking shots before the game, and now the beer at the end doesn't, you know, yeah. add up to anything. I mean, in Jersey, he could have at least picked up a yingling or something. Oh, my God. And I know Guinness something, something good. Yeah. Well, Guinness, uh, after a game, I... I love Guinness. That's my all time favorite beer Guinness on tap, but after, after a game that that's, that's a little heavy unless it's at the rink bar where it's on tap. But if if they bring it in the can or the bottle, it's like, 
No, what else do you have? <laughs> I was always after the rink, after the hockey game, over to the bar to get the Guinness on tap. Guinness is very big here in Jersey. Yeah. Well, if, if they have it on Irish tap, bar. Yeah. yeah. If they Everywhere have it on tap, then I'm getting it. That That's my, you know, as a good Irish kid, that, that is my favorite beer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when you tape your stick, do you go heel to toe or toe to heel? Uh, heel to toe. Okay. You're, you're like most goalies then. I, I, I like to ask that question to find out who, who the oddballs are and go toe to heel. Because <laughs> I never know how, because you never know really where you want to end on it, you know, because it depends yep. on where you're starting in the back. Like yep. Every tape job is different. I'm not one of those guys who has that same tape job every time I just tape my stick and go. Yeah. I, I'm that guy where it's the same every time. Um, but I, I also don't tape my stick but maybe three, four times a year, four times tops. You know, it's usually right before the uh, fall season begins and right before the winter season begins. And then if I'm filling in enough in the summertime, I'll, I may retape it then. But yeah. yeah, I can't even remember the last time I taped my Sherwood. Yeah. It's probably been, I've probably been using them for two years. Yep. You know, so never put tape on them, never changed it. Yeah. Uh, when I was in college playing, uh, it was every game I would retape my stick, but we also got had unlimited tape and sticks were three for 20 bucks. So it wasn't that big of a deal then. And it it was something to do in the locker room as you were hanging out with the fellas, you know? Yep. And Uh, they don't have that no more. It's like three for $400. And it's like, ah, that's a deal now. Well, when I was playing college hockey, that, that was kind of a, uh, perk of playing is we got severely discounted sticks that that was i yeah. think their way of keeping us from just walking into the stick room and taking whatever you know trying different ones all the time as well as just breaking them out of pure frustration it yeah it, it was I, our their way of keeping us honest there um when you play what's your favorite number to wear i wear number 32 and why when I was in ninth grade, because when I was growing up, I wore number 12 or number 22. Okay. So in ninth grade, I was the smallest guy on the team. I was like 5'4", 120 pounds. Mm-hmm. So all the jerseys were way too big for me. So the only number that fit was number 32. And I've kept it to this day. That's the only number I've worn to this day. You know, my wife just bought me a charm mm-hmm. just not too long ago, number 32 to go on my chain. That's cool. You know, so it's yeah. something I'll always wear. That's yeah. my number, 32. See, and my, you can't really be from Jersey if you don't have the gold chain, right? Yeah, well, yeah, I have the two, <laughs> so it's great. <laughs> yeah. um, that's the one thing. When I that's was, where 32 hockey comes from, you know? Yeah. That's why I named it 32 hockey. So everything's got that 32 twist in it for me. Makes sense. Makes sense. When, when I was playing fifth grade football, uh, I had number one because it, I was the smallest kid on the team. I hadn't hit my growth spurt yet. And that was the only Jersey that fit me. And my dad used to joke uh, that I was so small that it looked like I was number 11. Because <laughs> you were seeing both <laughs> the number from the front and back at the same time. Um, so the final yeah. question I have <laughs> is what advice do you have? Usually I say for young goaltenders, but I think I might change this. What advice do you have for 
uh, hockey players picking up the position later on in life, like yourself? Watch a lot of video, watch a lot of NHL games. <laughs> you know, you, you have, I think watching it live and seeing how these goaltenders are doing it and then just trying to incorporate it into each game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like that when, when I first tried to learn how to do the back and forth slide, you know, when you're not doing it with a post and you're trying to learn that, you know, you see these goalies, they do it, they go back and forth yep. outside the net and it looks so easy, but that is probably the hardest thing I ever had to learn. Yep. But it's just practice, you know, just watch and practice and just keep, keep on doing it until you learn how to do it, get strong at it. Yeah. Have you watched any of those in goal um, pro reads that they have on their platform now? No, I haven't. Yeah. They're, they're pretty cool. They sit down with a goalie, you know, pro goalie and they'll look at different uh, plays that they've encountered and they'll go through, you know, what were they thinking, you know, in these certain situations? Uh, What was your save selection and why? Um, Honestly, I, 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 need to bite the bullet and pay for the paid subscription for Ingle because it's dirt cheap for what they give you. And those pro reads are worth every penny of it. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to so, have to check that out. Yeah. Yeah. It, they're pretty cool. Um, so we've talked quite a bit. Where can folks find you if they want to uh, possibly get a mask refurbished or painted or uh, just follow you? I um I'm here on, on, uh, Instagram at, you know, 32 hockey. Yep. I'm also on Facebook as the goalie masks guy with an S on the mask. So, and 32 hockey.com is my internet. So, yeah. And, and we'll most sure of my to... stuff, mostly on Facebook. I'll, so I'll the goalie sure mask to... guy is a... Go on. Sorry. I was going to say, I'll be sure to put that stuff in the show notes too, so that uh, people don't have to search if they're listening in the car or whatnot. They could just go there and then click on it uh, at a later time. Yeah. The goalie mess guy is the best place to reach me. That's where I have uh, all my raffles once a month. Okay. And, you know, I got some good and exciting stuff coming, new helmets coming. I can paint or I can have it painted, whatever. Like people ask me for, you know, Lundquist stuff. I I'll paint it close, but it won't be exact. Yep. Uh, the Rangers man cave. I painted a couple helmets exact for him because it's part of the Rangers man cave. You know, his, yeah, his place is crazy with uh Rangers stuff. He's even mm-hmm. been on MSG as a commercial. So I had to do it as perfect as I co- possibly could. Yeah. It's going to be seen on TV. <laughs> so uh, yeah, but we, I have a lot of exciting, especially since I joined VRT, you know, they're making masks better and better. I can do any design. It just takes time. It could be a week, it could be a month, but mm-hmm. it could be two months, just depending on what the person wants or what the person needs. Yeah. And what levels they're playing. Cause you know, having the right helmet that you're not going to get hurt in. Uh, like two months ago, I had a guy call me about painting a mask. I quoted him $400 for what he wanted. Yeah. And when he sent me the mask, it was just a Bauer enemy four and his son was 12 years old. So I'm, I'm the kind of guy that I'd rather be safe. And I'd said, I said, I have this 960 just laying here and on $500 I'll throw in the mask. Mm-hmm. And, and it's little things like that, that would make me more happy knowing the kid's safe. 
Right. You know, than having him wear that mask that you could end up getting hurt, especially at his level. Yeah. Well, and we're, we're talking the head it, and it baffles me that so many people will go cheap on the mask. Yeah. But then they'll go brand new custom pads every year. And it's like, yeah, it makes no sense. The mask. When, when I was talking to Don Strauss and he was talking about, you know, coming up with the armadillo mask, you know, he, he prided himself on the fact that he only ever had one model, the top tier, yeah. because he didn't see the point in having a lesser tier helmet. It, it was, you should always have the best protection for your head. And I'm a firm believer in that. And that's why I'm just playing beer league these days. But when I went and bought my last mask, I went with a pro model mask because I only get one brain and I've already done enough damage to a playing hockey. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I got a concussion about 10 years ago wearing a Vaughn helmet, one of the lower Vaughns. Mm-hmm. And I went the next, next week when I started before I started playing again and I upped the mask that I got, you know, but now I won't put anything else on, but a pro mask. Yep. I've had, I've had a couple pro masks made for me by Sean Schroeder and mm-hmm. his masks are incredible also. And, incredibly protective you know so but that's the most important thing go with the cheaper pads more expensive helmet Absolutely. You know, people don't want to hear that you know but that that's the that's the truth that's what's saving yeah. their life there yeah they're not going to get the cheaper nut cup so why are you going to get the cheaper helmet exactly you know so well dave it's been a pleasure chatting with you i'm, I'm glad we got the chance to uh, connect i'm glad you reached out to me on instagram um yeah man you know, that, that's, that's what I've loved about uh, starting the podcast and sharing is now, you know, other goalies are slowly starting to reach out and be like, hey, I want to chat. I've got a story because we all have a story. Um, yep. In fact, there's a, I believe he's a bantam I'm going to be talking to shortly. And, you know, the you know, discussion is really going to be about, you know, what's it like being a youth hockey player? through the pandemic, you know, how has that affected your game, your psyche and all of that? So it's, it's fun that goalies are starting to reach out and wanting to be a part of this as well. So thank you for doing that. Yeah, no, thank you. I, I appreciate it. This is something a forum that I've been, you know, trying to get into, you know, cause I'm trying to get the word out about these masks. Yeah. You know, I spend a lot of time, you know, working, you know, and I spend a ton, a lot, a lot of time on these masks and, you know, I just want to get them out there. I just want people to be safe. Yeah. I want to put out a good product, you know, there's Absolutely. still a lot, of, a lot of stuff out there that people can go and buy off the shelf that I can produce a better helmet than what they're paying mm-hmm. for a crappier helmet, you know? Yep. So for what you pay for an enemy four, I can get you into a fully fiberglass mask. Yeah. You know, it may not have every, every little paint thing you want on it, but at least your head will be protected. Yeah. And you know, it's, I think you're starting to see more and more goalies when, you know, at least at the beer league level, when you see another goalie with a cheap mask like that, we're starting to speak up to each other and be like, dude, you, you got to get a better mask than that. It, it's vital. You know, there, there's a reason they're called widow makers. Yes. <laughs> you know, the league I play in, there's probably three or four goalies that have like enemy four helmets. I'm like, man, you got to get out of the helmets. Just come over to my house, try on helmets. Yep. I have 50 of them. Just come try one on. I'll make you a deal just so you don't get hurt. Yep. You know? Yeah. It's, uh, 
it's maddening sometimes when you see see guys out there skating you know and a couple of times i've talked to a goalie that's got one and you know they're, they're like when you first started where it's like well i i just picked up stuff i didn't i didn't know what i was getting i just wanted to get out here and it's like okay well the first piece of equipment you need to upgrade is your helmet and a couple of weeks yep. later you see them out on the ice again they got a new helmet and it's like all right they, they listen I'm, I'm glad yeah that it, that is just the most important piece. But you could take stingers anywhere, get broken bones, yep. but you don't want to keep getting concussion after concussion. No, just not worth it. You know, I, I joke and I say I've had six concussions, but I always hold up seven fingers to see if people yeah. catch that one. Um, and most of them were from hockey. And uh, you know, part of it was putting myself in situations I shouldn't have been in. By the way, I was coming out to play the puck. Um, so it's just now I'm a lot more cautious in the way I play and. I think at times my, my teammates would like me to come out and stop that puck being rung around the net. And I'm going, Nope, not anymore. No. No. <laughs> it's, it's not worth it coming out. Cause these guys will run you over because they don't yeah. skate or, you know, they just can't stop one time. And next thing you know, you're in a board. So I just stay in my net. I get run into enough just in the net, yep. you know, let alone coming out of the net and taking that chance. Yeah. You know, my, my last concussion, it wasn't a beer league game. Um, and I was, down you know playing the puck and some guy's coming in and he loses an edge you know it's total accident not nothing I don't fault him or anything but the knees come right into the head and that's all it took and um I I knew I had a concussion during the game because of I've had enough of them where I know know the symptoms that I've done my homework is like okay I need to focus and you know get home Luckily, it was a mild yeah. one where I, I felt comfortable getting home. But even hindsight, looking back, there's I, I've kicked myself for not looking at my teammates going, one of you has to drive me home uh, because we got enough of them that carpool and live, you know, three yeah. blocks from me is like I should have done that 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 particular night. Uh, but when you have a concussion, you're not thinking straight. You know, but yeah, again, I, I just got a concussion not too long ago, but I was actually skiing and oh. the problem it was, it was my second time, but I have the snow skates and I don't know oh, if you've yeah. ever been on them or seen them, but as a hockey player, the control that you have, you just, you, it's something different. Like you just feel the control because it's just like skating. Yeah. And the first time I didn't fall and I actually, I went out and bought a ski helmet, you know, just in case, yeah. you know, and then, I put a helmet on and I still got a concussion because I hit the, you know, the snow so hard, but because I was being stupid because, you know, I felt like, oh, well, I'm in control. He's skates next thing you know, I'm inside the, you know, laying on the going, oh my God, I got another concussion. Well, and, and that was it for the year. Sometimes, uh, you know, you get that piece of protective equipment and you, you think you're invincible and you, you take risks you probably wouldn't have had you not had a helmet on too. Um, I I know Mike Dicka keeps trying to start that debate of in football, maybe they're too protected and they need to go back to the days of leather helmets to uh, bring that risk back so that they, they think about what they're doing before they do it. Right. I know those guys don't go after headshots like crazy. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. But um, again, Dave, I, I appreciate you taking time out of your day. Uh, You know, working a full-time job, painting masks and having a couple of kids at home. The time is limited. I, I know yes. that's why I, 
I appreciate you uh, carving out some to, to chat with me and uh, we'll be in touch. All right. Thank you very much. I'll talk to you soon. It was fun talking to Dave and getting to hear his story. I'm always intrigued by goalies who gravitate to the position as adults to understand how they pick up on the technical aspects of the game, where those of us who started as kids either worked on it in practice or are lucky enough to have goalie coaches. Be sure to check out 32hockey.com. 32 is spelt out, not using numbers. Or find Dave on Facebook at GoalieMasksGuy mask being plural, and on Instagram at blades032 to find out more about his mask refurbishing and painting. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube simply by searching for Washed Up Goalie. Visit washedupgoalie.com for some great hockey-related content, my beer league hockey video highlights when I'm able to find a skate during this pandemic, and of course, all podcast episodes. If you want some Washed Up Goalie or Tendy Talk apparel, be sure to visit my Threadless shop by clicking the merchandise link on my website. I recently revamped the site, adding some items as well as some goalie-inspired silhouette pieces. If you like this podcast, go listen to the BLPA Big Show. It's the OG BLPA Podcast Network show. The BLPA Big Show is a couple of beer league players chatting about beer league hockey, draft experience tournaments, and exploits from around the game of hockey. The show is hosted by Nick Jones and Trish Dangles, with other co-hosts filling in occasionally. Nick just returned home to Calgary after hosting a number of weekend draft experience tournaments in the United States, so I'm sure the next few episodes will have some uh, stories about what happened at those tournaments. I need to thank the band The Zambonis for allowing me to use their music on my podcast. You can download their music on iTunes or listen wherever you stream music from. I'm working on lining up other goalies to talk to. If you are a goalie or have connections to a goalie who I should talk to, shoot me an email at washedupgoalie39 at gmail.com or send me a DM on social media. Let's not forget, if you're a brand who wants to sponsor the show, be sure to reach out to me. I'd be happy to talk about opportunities. And finally, if you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe rate, and comment on the podcast platform you're listening on. It's a quick action on your part that helps others find Tendy Talk. Until next time, keep your stick on the ice and your body square to the puck.